Every story needs an element of suspense, or it's lousy. Sydney Pollock. Hello and welcome back to the Turnrate Podcast. This is episode 55. In today's episode, I'm going to discuss four ways to create suspense in your novel. So it's mid-October, it's almost Halloween, and I thought what better time would there be than now to discuss different ways of creating suspense in your novel. My current work in process is a cross between chiclet and kind of cozy mystery-esque, and I have been editing the novel and thinking a lot about how we create suspense in stories. What makes them suspenseful? I think if you can really identify that and If you can identify that in other works, then you'll have an easier time creating it in your own story. I really do agree with Sidney Pollack, and I think that all novels do need to incorporate a bit of suspense, whether you're writing YAF or romance. Of course, the suspense is executed a bit differently in those genres than if you're writing a thriller or a detective novel, but nonetheless, every good novel needs some elements of suspense. So here are four ways that I think you can add suspense to your novel. Number one, reveal the plot slowly. You really want to keep your readers guessing and keep them hanging on by a thread. Uncover the main conflict piece by piece. This will also help you do a lot of showing rather than telling. Paula Hawkins does a really good job of this in her latest novel, A Slow Fire Burning. I highly recommend that if you haven't read it yet. The story is told from multiple perspectives and each perspective is pretty deep, so the plot naturally unravels pretty slowly. The story starts from Lara's point of view, Laura is really this helpless character and she starts out, you know, bleeding and we know she's been in some kind of accident. She um, has something wrong with her brain and she's very angry. She's very angry at life. She's angry with this character named Daniel who was mysteriously murdered, but Laura is in some sort of romantic relationship with him. And there's just really so many questions right off the bat. We then switch into Miriam's perspective, and it's a little hard to see how Miriam really ties to Lara, at least initially, but we do get the sense that Miriam is kind of above the other characters. She's kind of a narc and watching other people. So we sort of instantly start to distrust Miriam. And I know right off the bat, I feel a lot of suspense in the story because I want to know how these characters are related, how they're related to Daniel, but Paula Hawkins doesn't tell us. Instead, we switch into another person's perspective. We talk about Carla, and Carla seems very innocent. She's kind of a boring character. She's mourning the death of her sister, who is Daniel's mother, and then, of course, um, Daniel's death as well. But we really see most of her mourning being around her sister, Angela. We then go into her husband, Theo's perspective, a fiction writer, and then Irene's perspective, who... Irene really doesn't seem all that related to the plot. She kind of seems like this washed up older woman. She seems nice. She kind of cares for Lara. And we see how she's related to Lara, but maybe not this whole entire plot. Little by little, Paula Hawkins feeds us more details, like Miriam was kidnapped in high school and her friend was killed. This was a traumatic experience that really changed her life. She then wrote a story about that that Theo stole and published as his own. So kind of wondering why is Miriam not framing Theo as the murderer? Why is she framing Lara? Um, Is it because Miriam really did it? Maybe that's her motive. 
So we learn all of these characters' backstories little by little, and that creates suspense because we want to see what happens next. We want to see how all these people relate to one another, what really happened to Daniel, what really happened to Angela. Um, we want to figure out how Irene is tied to the whole situation. We aren't noticing Carla all that much because she seems so innocent and grief-stricken, but boy, are we wrong. And so we keep reading to find out how all these characters are connected. We keep reading because their stories are complicated and they need time to be revealed slowly. That all creates suspense. Number two, red herrings. This is a pretty obvious one, but it's really important. I have a whole episode on a deep dive of red herrings and, you know, how to really execute them. But today I'm going to talk about how Alex Michaelides in The Silent Patient really used red herrings to give us the juice. There were really so many red herrings in that story. It seemed like Alicia, you know, she was the first red herring, really. It seemed like she was crazy enough to kill her husband. The story framed her as being incredibly unstable and taking action in self-defense of this man following her that um, was kind of also revealed slowly throughout the story. There's another player, Jane Felix. He's this owner of an art gallery. He seemed very suspicious to me um, because he was always so jealous of Alicia's art. And then there was Paul who had debts and he was very unhappy living under his mother's roof. He was also kind of violent and you know he seemed like he could also be the culprit and then there was max alicia's brother-in-law who had a weird relationship with them and he also seemed very intimidating so each of these people were given a lot of time and thought and it was very logical as to why they might be the real killer but that was not the case the main character theo was the killer and i really didn't see that one coming because these red herrings were all so good and so believable. Number three, switch perspectives. When you switch perspectives, that adds an additional element to your story and oftentimes creates suspense. Paula Hawkins also does this in both A Slow Fire Burning, as we mentioned earlier, and then her gigantic bestseller, Girl on the Train. Switching perspectives really gives us a break from one character and oftentimes this break makes us really want to read on, especially if the author ends the scene on a cliffhanger. Uh, so the main character is Rachel, and we have a lot of empathy for Rachel. She's an alcoholic, she can't get pregnant, her husband divorced her, and we learn her backstory and how she's desperately trying to uncover her memory from the night that Megan Hipwell disappeared. But we don't get too far on that because we switch into Megan's perspective and learn her story and how she was having an affair with this doctor. Um, and then we learned some disturbing things about her husband. He was kind of violent. Um, but again, you know, Paula kind of leaves us in this cliffhanger with um, Megan and Rachel. And then we switch into Anna's perspective. Anna is married to Tom, who is Rachel's ex-husband. And they look like they have the perfect marriage. They even have a little baby, which Rachel couldn't do. Um, so the multiple players in this story and how these three women are connected and how they uncover what really happened to Megan Hipwell and who did it, um, it really spices the story up. The end of the story was just told from Rachel's perspective because we have a new empathy for both Megan and Anna. This empathy creates suspense, which leads me into my fourth point, empathetic characters. Now, we sometimes think that suspense is all about playing with the plot, the big guns, the big killers, 
but if we truly care about the characters, we will worry about the smallest thing that affects them. And this is a good way to create suspense in a genre like YAF or romance. The suspense could be as simple as is the guy on the football team going to ask the girl out to the homecoming dance. That's suspense if we care enough about these characters. And this is why I think that I did not find the novel The Last Mrs. Parrish by Liv Constantine all that suspenseful. I think a big reason was because I just really didn't care about the characters. Because on paper, the plot looks really juicy. Amber, this woman who's very poor, she creates this fictitious narrative that um, her sister died of cystic fibrosis. And she uses this to get close to the real Mrs. Parrish, who is... Um, married to this man who has tons of wealth and he's a very successful she has this big beautiful house all these designer clothes and she just has this perfect life so the story is about amber getting close to her and eventually um, becoming her and taking her place and so that does sound like a very like juicy gossip girl-esque plot almost but I found the story really dragging and I almost didn't finish it. And I think that's just because I really didn't feel bad for Mrs. Parrish. She was always presented to me as this shallow character. Um, the story was told mostly from Amber's perspective and then it switched into Mrs. Parrish's perspective. So I think if we had gotten Mrs. Parrish's perspective a little earlier on, I may have had more empathy for her. Um, but I don't know if it was just because it was also mostly about you know, wealth and just sort of having this image that I also found it sort of not that moving. But, you know, whether it was because we didn't get deep enough into her head or because of the theme of the story, I don't know. I just didn't care about the characters enough to find the story suspenseful. Instead, unfortunately, the story kind of dragged for me. So always, always go back to the characters, make sure your characters are well-rounded, make sure we have lots of good reasons to care about them, and as a reader, and your readers will keep reading. I don't think there's really any plot big enough or juicy enough that can cancel out characters that are not empathetic. And that's all I have for today's episode. Let me know what genre you write by sounding off in um, the comment section. Don't forget to follow Turn Right Pod on Twitter. We will be resuming author shout outs shortly. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. As always, keep reading, keep writing, and keep querying, and I will talk to you on our next road trip.